When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 24, and we're recording on April 20th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you, as usual, from Book Riot. And today, we're talking about Lady Vengeance, which is super fun and exciting, and there are a lot of ways to look at Lady Vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) It was... It was a request from one of our insiders um, on the on the forum, so I thought, yeah, I I got excited when when it came up in the theme raffle, as it were. <laughs> Me too. I I actually did as well. There's this movie that I watched a long time ago. I think it's a, actually a Korean movie called Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Oh my gosh, and that's like, the actual title? Yeah, that's what it's called. Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. And it's so good. And so I was like trying to find read-alikes for that movie, which is not science fiction or fantasy, Mm. but very much about, as you might imagine, revenge, but I couldn't find anything. But I found some good ones, anything, (laughs) anyway, featuring Lady Revenge, so. Yeah. Well, since it came up, I want to give a quick shout out to um, Insiders because we are doing a free trial offer uh, to celebrate our anniversary. It's been a year, which is amazing. Um, So, yeah. So if you sign up between anytime before April 30th or I guess on April 30th um, there's a five there's a two-week free trial for the novel level either annual or monthly so um, yeah it's just bookriot.com slash insiders go check that out insiders is super fun and I co-host the read harder podcast That's for right. insiders yeah so anybody who needs some read harder challenge recommendations if you join insiders you'll you'll get some more recs um and we also have a really exciting mystery giveaway happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 15 of the most exciting mysteries of the year so far to give away to one lucky winner. And these are also inclusive mysteries, which is fantastic because I know I hear a lot about how difficult it can be to find really inclusive um, mysteries and thrillers. So some of the books that are included among these 15 books we're giving away are, for instance, The Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Masi. Uh, There's The Perfect Nanny by Leila Slimani that I've been seeing around a lot. Uh, Down the River Unto the Sea by Walter Mosley. There are a lot of really great, great books here. So if you're interested to enter, all you have to do is go to uh, just go to bookriot.com. Do we actually have a page for it? I'm sure we do. Bookriot.com slash mystery giveaway is where you go. And all you have to do is fill out the form. Make sure you get there before May 9th. The um, giveaway closes May 9th. So just do it right away, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good stack. It is. It is. So that's wonderful if you want to um, – win a bunch of mystery books, definitely do that. 
All right. Should I do our first sponsor? Yeah. Okay. So our first sponsor is Reborn by Lance Ehrlich. Ehrlich, excuse me. Reborn by Lance Ehrlich. Uh, It's the first book in the Android Chronicles, and it is about Cynthia Cross, who is a state-of-the-art masterwork, the most perfect synthetic human ever created, who has been programmed to obey every directive. But Cynthia is also showing signs of an emergent behavior she's not wired to understand. Repeatedly wiped of her history, she's struggling to answer crucial questions about her past. And when her creator's true intentions are called into question, Cynthia knows it's time to go beyond her limits because Dr. Mockton's fervor to create the perfect AI is concealing a vengeful and deadly personal agenda. Speaking of vengeance. Uh, (laughs) So again, that is Reborn, the first book in the Android Chronicles by Lance Ehrlich. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Excellent. And I get to pick the first news story. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to go with the new Mary Shelley movie. We just got the first full-length trailer for it. And I I didn't really know anything about this movie when I heard about the trailer. I think it was like in my periphery that it was coming out. But when I saw the trailer, I got really excited about it. So This is Mary Shelley, and Elle Fanning is playing Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein. Um, So that's super exciting, and it's really timely, actually, because this is the year of the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein. So that's, if you're wondering why you've been hearing so much about Frankenstein and Mary Shelley lately, that probably has a large part in it. Um, So... The movie is directed by Haifa El-Mansur. She's a female director, which is great. And this movie has been described as having a very feminist tone, which is also super exciting. And you may or may not know that Mary Shelley was in love with Percy Shelley and married to Percy Shelley. And they had a romance together. And so that is covered in this movie. And I watched the trailer like right before we got on this uh, podcast recording and it was, it looks great. I don't know how closely they're going to follow all the real events of her life or if they're going to, you know, do what they do and hyperbolize a little bit and not talk about certain things. Like for instance, we talked about it um, on Book Riot and one of the things that was mentioned, uh, mentioned in the news piece was that, you know, one of the reasons that Mary Shelley was told, you know, was discouraged from being with Percy Shelley was that, you know, he was a married man at the time and he had some other things going on that made it unadvisable. But so it'll be really interesting to see how Mary Shelley's actual life is adapted for film and how um, the Frankenstein story is going to play a part in this movie. What do you think of it? I am interested. I I really love that it has a female director. And I mean, Haifa Al-Mansur is really interesting because she's the first female Saudi Arabian director. So mm-hmm. like there's a lot of interesting sort of feminist moments happening with around this movie. Um, and I do like Elle Fanning. I'm still, it's like hard for me to think of her as a grown up because <laughs> I'm used to like thinking of her as, you know, like the little girl character and a lot of things that I've seen. Yeah. Um, but she's very convincing in the trailer. I will say I was super convinced in the trailer. And side note, the guy who's playing 
Percy Shelley um, is Douglas Booth, who was in Jupiter Ascending, was my, the first time I ever saw him. <laughs> and so oh. I was watching this trailer and I was like, why do I know that guy? <laughs> um, and I think he's uh, I think he's fun to watch. So I'm super. Yeah, I'll be super curious to see this. Um Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, you know, because it is the anniversary, there have been all kinds of interesting pieces going around, like you said, about Mary Shelley. And um, I mean, before she was Shelley, but also, you know, her life. Um, And uh, and and I'm learning things about her that I just had no idea. And so I think if this had been like a year ago and I didn't have any context for it, I would be like, well, they're not actually doing Frankenstein. It's more of like a biopic. So like, I don't know how interested I am, but now I'm super interested because I've suddenly know all these things about Mary Shelley. Yeah. So, you're totally right. Yeah. So I'm really curious. So, I mean, the timing is good. Um, the buzz is good. Like it's, it's got a lot going for it. So, so we'll see. Yeah. But I, I, I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I have to admit that on a shallower level that one of the things that made me really interested in this movie other than just learning more about Mary Shelley's life was just that it had like this really it has a really cool like gothic aesthetic, mm-hmm. which I love. And so I'm really excited to see that. And it looks like it might be even a little bit chilling, which I love. And that's part of the reason I love the Frankenstein story. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also been this connected uh, or a little bit relatedly. There's There was this other story about Mary Shelley's original Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein text being published. And one of the things that's approached in this film that you can tell just by the trailer i'm not spoiling anything i haven't seen this movie um is that there's there was the argument that ridiculous people made where they were basically trying to attribute the frankenstein story to percy shelley because of course you know a woman couldn't have possibly written that um and one of the things that has come out one of the news pieces that came out recently was about this uh Mary Shelley original Frankenstein text being published and this text has like a bunch of Percy Shelley's corrections and you know notes that Mary Shelley had and it shows a lot about like their strange relationship as two writers who probably and definitely did look at each other's work and commented on it but that was just one interesting thing I I want to see how they, you know, approach that subject. And it looks like they're doing the right thing, thankfully, and not, mm-hmm. like, making it seem like, oh, well, maybe Percy Shelley did have a hand in that, um, which is not really the case because it, it seems like from this piece about the Frankenstein text, she ignored a lot of stuff he wrote in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Which is satisfying to hear. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> but yeah, let's we'll see what happens with it. I'm probably going to watch it in the theater. It looks very cinematic. Mm-hmm. What do you want to go with next? What do I want to go with next? There's so much news. Um, I think that people will want to talk about this. And I have some feelings on it. I don't know if you do. Um, But Jacqueline Carey announced on Twitter the other day that she is going to... Well, I guess it was also in Publishers Marketplace, but there was a tweet. (laughs) Um, She announced that she is going to retell the events of Cushiel's dart through Jocelyn's eyes in a book called Cassiel's Servant, um, which just got 
sold, I guess. Um, and ha- have you read the Cushel's Legacy book? No, I told you yeah. I was going to for Read Harder, oh, and then right. I ran out of time, <laughs> so well, I failed. <laughs> so I have read them, and then reread the Phaedra books a couple of times. Um, and I, I, uh, I have a lot of fan feelings about them. And I saw this, and I immediately was like, "Oh no, I don't." I don't want that. And I was talking to a bunch of people who are also Jacqueline Carey fans. And a bunch of them were like, oh, I do want this. And it was really interesting to see the range of reactions to this. Um, to give a little backstory, it's a it's like an epic fantasy series set in a sort of medieval alternate Europe situation. But it's very feminist. Um, and the main character, Fedra, is basically like a sacred sex worker um, and like goes around having adventures and like fixing things in the world and she's an amazing heroine Um, and Jocelyn is her sort of he starts off as her bodyguard as yeah yes he starts off as her bodyguard and they like kind of hate each other and then they grow to love each other Um, I'm not spoiling anything and so um and so, but you get Phaedra's point of view through all of the main books. And so she's like, oh, I'm going to rewrite. Yes. And we're going to get Jocelyn's side of the story. And I just, I just don't know why I don't, like, the thing that I'm trying to figure out is why I don't want that. Like, I just yeah. don't know why I don't want that. Is it just, there's like a part of me that thinks like, well, what if I don't like the way she does it? And then it will sort of like, you know, like... It'll make me feel differently about the originals or am I just not interested in his backstory? Like I haven't quite been able to put my finger on why it is that I am disinterested in this project. But I know that like a lot of people are so excited. Jocelyn is a great character. It could be really interesting. I don't know. I just don't. I'm like a big question mark on this one. It's really interesting because I think that I can see how this would be. I don't know, and maybe not divisive, but how it wouldn't necessarily be welcomed by everybody because it's it's sort of one thing to like tell an, another story from one of the characters in a work that you really enjoy to tell it from their perspective, but a different story. But when it's like telling the same story from a different character's perspective, like that does sort of touch on like, well if there were things that you liked about the story and they get modified by this new telling, like, what is that going to be like? Is it going to kind of ruin the original work for you? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Right. Because if it was like a side story, yeah, you know, then, and there are actually portions of the original trilogy where he and she are not in the same place at the same time. And so like, if it's stuff like that, but if it's just him like recasting the stuff that I already know they did together, like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yes, I think you put your finger on it. It is, if it was like a separate plot from his perspective, I would be more interested in that. Yeah. yeah. I think but- generally I'm on, I'm in the same camp as you. Like retellings don't appeal to me in general for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it is just because, you know, if I love the book, I feel like it's sort of complete. Like right. I, I right. don't, yeah, I also kind of don't see 
why it's necessary to retell it in a different way. I do like, however, I will say, like, if I hear a story retold from, for instance, the villain's perspective, well, sure. that's different. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. And like, or like a character that I don't know much about. And I feel like we do know some things about Jocelyn. I don't know. I, yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> know. Tough. And, you know, the thing that I keep hearing from people who are excited is it's like literally any chance to revisit the world is a good one. And I can totally understand that feeling. Like any chance to go back and spend more time in this like world that she has built, like, is is exciting for yeah. for them and i'm like i i cannot argue with that like i can't argue with that feeling um i yeah so so for those of you who are excited don't get too excited because she hasn't written it yet oh um, man she had to post people freaked out so much that she had to post a follow-up being like whoa hey like it's <laughs> it's a while guys it's a while so that is coming at some point yeah because start was huge right that was why i ran out of time i just couldn't oh it's long it's super yeah. long yep it's long yeah oh my goodness yeah. although yeah. that nothing to say this one doesn't need to be as long because all the true. groundwork is laid right like it's already right. the world already exists i don't know i don't know how she'll do it i don't know it'll be interesting to see um mm-hmm. But it might be a while. So. It might be a It'll be a while for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I have to talk about, because we didn't get to it last time, mm-hmm. but I have to talk more about this Harry Potter game <laughs> because we got some more news from it. People are probably like, oh my goodness, why is she, she's never going to stop talking about this game. It hasn't even come out. But it's actually coming out really soon. So mm-hmm. this is actually pretty good timing. By the time... This podcast comes out. I think it comes out the day this podcast It's the same day. It is. It's the same day. It's next Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, see, I don't have to make excuses for myself. So that Harry Potter app game, a mobile game, I guess is the actual word for it, that we've been talking about is coming out April 25th. And we got more news about who's actually going to be involved in doing the voices and so much of the original cast from Harry Potter has come has joined the team to do the voices so you're going to hear them all you're going to hear Dame Maggie Smith as Professor McGonagall Michael Gambon 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 as Professor Dumbledore Warwick Davis who I love as Professor Flitwick so many amazing voices in this game and basically what this posted is make me absolutely certain i'm going to download it the day it comes out (laughs) so it's that rpg story centric game where you basically get to be a character you basically get to exist in the wizarding world and you know determine your fate and what type of character you're going to be in the harry potter universe which is so exciting and i have a feeling this game like i don't know how prepared they are for the onslaught of fans to download it and to be on it immediately. But I have a feeling this game is going to be kind of unusable for like the first couple <laughs> days, like crashing and being very slow. But I'm going to give it a try and I will absolutely report back on the experience if I get into it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm carving out some time on Thursday the 26th, uh, like going to build it right into my schedule, like one hour for research. (laughs) 
Yeah. Muppet, I think this is just a Muppet Arms fan moment mm-hmm. for is. us all. Yes. I hope you're as excited. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do we have time for one more? Uh, I think so. Do yeah, one more. Do um, I want to talk about Lost in Space. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so the I remember when this news came out a while back that they were doing a Lost in Space and that they had gender bent the Dr. Smith character and it was going to be Parker Posey. And that was the most that we knew about it for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, and the show is now out. The first season is on Netflix. And I have seen the first two episodes. I've seen the pilot and the episode that comes after that. And the reason specifically I wanted to talk about it is because my like let me circle back for a second my dad and i have had this ongoing conversation um he's the original nerd in the family and so i grew up you know watching star trek and star wars and you know hercules and xena <laughs> warrior princess and like stargate and like every like nerdy sci-fi show that you could think of like we watched it usually as a family um but certainly my dad and my brothers and i watched a lot of that stuff together and um And my mom, on the other hand, is the reason I've seen and can quote Monty Python. So, like, I come from a long line of nerds. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But so, and and so when I started getting into publishing and, like, comics in particular, my dad and I would have these conversations because he grew up reading comics. Like, he would get a, you know, a quarter from his relative to go down to this convenience store and get his comic. And, like, that was how he grew up reading this kind of stuff. And he's been kind of disappointed with the expanded universes and the films because it's it's all psychodrama, right? It's about like, is Superman really good? Or like, mm-hmm. you know, how are Tony Stark's feelings today? Like that's what's going on in the comics universe, in the big stories. And he has told me more than once that when he was growing up, like you had to outscience the villain. Like how was Spider-Man going to make his tech better so that he could defeat Dr. Octopus? It was about science more than psychology. And he has been kind of missing that with all of these rebirths of these properties that he grew up with. And I like, I like a good psychodrama, so I don't mind it, but it's something that I think about with every new superhero slash, you know, nerd geek thing that comes out. And so when I started watching Lost in Space, it immediately becomes clear that the showrunners are actually trying to return to some of that like OG golden age science stuff. Um, the very the in the pilot, it's like very MacGyver in space. Like, okay, we've crash landed, and now the spaceship is frozen, and like, oh, we have to find like a mineral that'll burn hot enough to like get it out, or like, how are we gonna science this? Like, there are several sort of like, how are we going to science this moments in the pilot? And I immediately texted my dad. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, hey, you That's need to cute. watch this because there's some there's some actual like science problem solving going on, which you again, really don't see like you see fancy tech, but you don't see the process of making it or you see, you know, the results of like science, but you don't actually see the science happening. Um It also, of course, because it is a current show, has a lot of psychodrama. There's a lot of, like, big emotional moments going on. And so far, I'm really, like, it's got me a little bit hooked. I'm going to keep watching. Um, I definitely... Yeah, have at least a few more episodes in me to see if they continue with that and how they're going to handle the Dr. Smith character. Um, and if they can, 
get some more diversity in there. The family does include um, a, a, a biracial daughter who it's not clear from the first episode or two that she is the natural daughter of the mother. Um, apparently, I looked it up online. She's like a daughter from a previous marriage, apparently. Um, but I thought for a minute that she was adopted or something. But she's like 100% part of the family. But it's been pretty white other than that. But I'm starting to see a few more characters of color show up. So I'm curious to see how they're, if they're going to do any good work with that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm giving it some time. And I thought I would mention it in case anybody else has like been yearning for like science problem solving on screen. <laughs> this has some of that. So yeah. Yeah, I I read so I have not that much experience. Like I didn't watch Lost in Space. I think mm. I might have like watched it in the background when I was a kid and it mm-hmm. would be on like during whatever Thanksgiving time or something like that whenever they'd randomly show it. But I really like this idea of, like, you know, the survival aspect of being in space and that they were influenced by the Martian, for instance, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, So I might have to – I might have to watch this. I just just finished watching – binge watching Parks and Rec, so I am looking for the next series to watch. So this might be it. There you go. Excellent. Okay, so before we get into our recommendations for Lady Vengeance, I am going to be talking about our second sponsor, which is The City of Lost Fortunes by Brian Camp. So what it says is that the fate of New Orleans rests in the hands of a wayward grifter in this novel of gods, games, and monsters. Jude has been lying low since the storm, which caused so many things to be lost that it played havoc with his magic. And he's hiding from his own power, his divine former employer, and a debt owed to the fortune god of New Orleans. But his six-year retirement ends abruptly when the fortune god is murdered and Jude is drawn back into the world he tried so desperately to leave behind, a world full of magic, monsters, and miracles, a world where he must find out who is responsible for the fortune god's death, uncover the plot that threatens the city's soul, and discover what his talent for lost things has always been trying to show him, what it means to be his father's son." So this is a fantasy, literary, mystery, fiction crossover book that'll appeal to people who really like intellectually complex literary novels. Um, It sounds really exciting. There's a lot of books coming out about gods. It's a really interesting trend going on. (laughs) So again, if that sounds interesting to you, that was The City of Lost Fortunes by Brian Camp. Thank you for sponsoring the show. Why don't you kick us off, Jen? All right. So I took this prompt as literally as possible and looked for <laughs> ladies on a vengeance like mission. <laughs> I did not make Excellent. it complicated this time, <laughs> as is my want is to overcomplicate everything. Um, and so my first pick was the first thing I thought of. It's The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adier. Which is a retelling of the Sherazade story. Um, it is YA, technically speaking, but I don't. I I think it's worth reading if you are a grown up as well, um, for lots of reasons. And the main character, Sherazade, uh, she is sixteen. And she lives in a land ruled by this boy king. He's like 18 and he is a monster. Every night he takes a new bride and then every morning she is killed. Um, And this has been going on for a while. And her, Sharzad's best friend is one of the brides who is killed. And so she decides that she is going to volunteer 
to be his next bride and go and kill him because she is just like, <laughs> I am going to like take this guy out. He killed my best friend. He's killed a ton of women. Like there's, he is, he clearly is a monster and needs to die. And I'm going to do it because nobody else is doing anything about this. And so like in the original, um, she manages to stay alive by telling him stories and trying to like delay her own killing. Um, and as she spends more time with him, she starts to discover that there is more going on and that nothing is actually simple. And it's interesting, you know, when I was thinking about this prompt and thinking about the books that I picked, I was thinking about like, you know, in Kill Bill, like it's a very straightforward mm -hmm. vengeance story, for example, like find the people who done you wrong, slice them to ribbons with your sword, like move on to the next. Um, but the books that I was thinking of are actually much more complicated than that. Like you think it's simple at the beginning, but as the story goes along, it gets more and more complicated and you're less and less sure of the rightness of your mission, um, which is, uh, is actually a plot line that I super am interested in. I think going back to my love, for example, for the Count of Monte Cristo, which is like the ultimate example of vengeance not ever being simple. Um, so if you're looking for like a super straightforward, like kill the people who done you wrong, ask no questions, take no prisoners, this is not that. Instead, it's a much more complicated look at how we can think we know a thing and then as we look into it more, everything sort of shifts around and changes. Um, and the world building in this is really interesting and very immersive. And you really feel like you're just wrapped up in this story. So that's The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adier. I had a darn it moment when I came to the dock and saw that you chose that. <laughs> I picked it first. I picked it first. <laughs> yeah. It's such – it's really the perfect pick for this, for this one. Um, okay, so – what I ended up going with, which I am also excited about, it is not second best, um, mm -hmm. but it is a little bit roundabout in terms of the vengeance part. So my my pick is An Ember in the Ashes, which is also a young adult novel. This one's by Sabata here. And I actually talked about this one before when we were discussing villains. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was front of mind for this theme because book three's out soon and I've been seeing the galleys everywhere. So it's been like on my brain. Mm -hmm. And the third book comes out June 3rd um, for those of you who have read it or are interested but if you do follow O'Neill's Razor it's not finished with this third book it's a quartet um, so the third book doesn't finish the series but this is one I'm actually up to date with which is rare for me because <laughs> I read the first book and I'm like oh my goodness I have to read something like I, I can't just follow the series because I have so much I need to read. Um, so this is really an anxiety-inducing thrill ride of a book in the best of ways. It's set in ancient in an ancient Rome-inspired place, and it's ruled by the Martial Empire, which is as miserable as it sounds. And so under the Martial Empire, people called scholars are oppressed. They're imprisoned, assassinated by the Empire's military. Because, of course, information and knowledge is power, so they have to be oppressed. Um, so there's Laia, who's a young woman, and she has she lives with a family of scholars. They are all scholars. They live under this oppression. And one day, the empire comes for them. And she ends up losing everything as a result of their raid. And her only surviving family member is her brother, and he's taken away and imprisoned. So Laia's left on her own. And she commits herself to rescuing her brother. This is basically like 
her main life quest right now. And then on the other side of the fence, in the Martial Empire's military academy is Elias, and Elias is burdened with this legacy of oppression. He comes from a really powerful family of political manipulators. He's expected to live up to his bloodline, and he has really mixed feelings about this because he feels you know, a sense of duty to his family, but he's also developing morals. He really doesn't. God forbid. (laughs) I know, right? And you can see why, and it sort of becomes baffling that he's the only one because you see what happens at this military academy. And um, yeah, if you you don't like violent, well, nobody likes violence against children. If you get, if you get triggered by violence against children, there is some real brutality in here. So you should just know that, um, going in. It's frightening. Um, but Laya and Elias meet as a result of, uh, Laya's recruitment by this rebel group. So she becomes a spy on this incredibly dangerous mission to gather information on really the most frightening character in this book, who's the commandant and... This story is a different kind of Lady Vengeance story because initially Laya's main concern is to find her brother and she does hate the Martial Empire for killing her family, but she ends up becoming kind of a tool for revenge as a spy for this rebel force. And this is sort of her way, being a spy and being a tool for revenge against the Martial Empire and to overthrow this empire is her way to get to her brother and to find out more about what's going on with her brother. Um, It's not exactly like, it, it is not like the Kill Bill type thing or not like Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, which probably nobody has heard about, so I don't know why I'm (laughs) referencing that. But yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And as the story goes along, like I'm not going to tell you about what happens in the second book or anything because that's spoilery, but more develops and Laia becomes really involved in the wider scope of the Martial Empire's rule and this rebellion against the Empire. And there's another character in the story, Helena, who is also, you know, badass, even though she's on the wrong side of things. So there's definitely more than one bloodthirsty, vengeful woman in this book. And that is <laughs> <laughs> that is perfectly fine by me. Like, I love these characters. I think that's why I've stuck with this book so much. Like, I want to see this thing go down. Because it's going to be frightening, but I have a feeling or I'm crossing my fingers that it's going to be really satisfying as well. I'm just really enjoying it. And again, that was An Ember in the Ashes by Sabata here, which is the first book in the Ember Quartet. I'm so glad you picked that because I thought about it, but I'm not current and mm. I like I'm I am in this case I I I'm not an O'Neill's Razor follower, but in this case I am waiting so that I can just binge them all in one weekend because otherwise like you were saying it's like, "Oh, I have so much else to read, like I'll pick this one up when I get a chance." It's like, "No, mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait till they're out so I can like spend a weekend reading them." Um, but yeah, that's um, smart. I'm not as fast as you, so oh, it's true. I couldn't even do it. I I could <laughs> like have to do it this way. Yeah. I can throw out like three YA in a weekend easy. Like I can do that as long as I don't have anything else to do. So jealous. <laughs> I will clear my schedule. <laughs> um, okay. My 
second pick is not actually science fiction. I, whoops, whoops, I did not do that right. That's okay, it's fine. There's um, actually not magic in it either. So it's uh, it's second world uh, fantasy, technically, is what it is. I had, you know, weirdly, I, I did try really hard to find a vengeance in space story that, like, m- worked for me, and I just couldn't. So you're getting this It's instead. hard. It's I hard. agree. Weirdly hard. And if you are listening and know of good vengeance in space stories, please do send them to us. Um, SFF yet, bookriot.com. I would love to read one. Mm-hmm, um, me too. So instead, I have The Trader Buru Cormorant, which is by Seth Dickinson. And I have been hearing about this, well, this series, but this book in particular, since the book Rageous Days, which is like, you know, 2000. Wow. It's like, that's like seven years ago now. <laughs> um, when Paul, uh, who was a contributor for panels, um, was raving, just raving about it. And I was like, oh, I remember being like, oh, I should read those. Um, and now, like, you know, seven years later, I finally read it, Paul. <laughs> I get to text him <laughs> later and be like, so I finally read that book that you love. Um, and I can see why it has gotten rave reviews, not just from Paul, but if you look at the back of the hardcover that I got from the library, the blurbs are bonkers. It's like, you know, I don't know. Everybody has blurbed that book, including Cameron Hurley, for example, whose work I love. Um And it is about a young woman named Baru who lives on an island that's, like, pretty idyllic. Um, It's, you know, there's, like, warring factions a little bit, but her home life is great. Um, It is a very sort of free and easy society. Um, There's not, like, a lot of rules and strictures. She's getting educated at home. Her mother is a spear bearer, and her two fathers are, let's see, one of them is, like, a metalsmith, and one of them is a hunter, I want to say. And she, like, has a really great home life and is just like a normal kid. And then one day there are these red sails on the horizon and these traders from the far off empire of masks come in with technology and like medicine and infrastructure and money and they sort of infiltrate via economic means her home, which then leads to basically the destruction of her family's entire way of life. Um, so the empire like swallows up her homeland of Tanaroke, and she has been marked out as somebody who is a savant. Um, and so she gets sent to the special school and like, you know, they try to teach her that like, for example, they, that her, you know, parents, like you can't have three parents. You can only have two parents and one of them has to be a woman and one of them has to be a man. And like, you know, homosexuality is outlawed and all of these things. And, um, and so she has decided that she is going to go along with this to gain power so that then she can like basically kick them out she she wants her homeland back the way it was before they came but she's smart enough to know that like she can't just resist so she decides she's gonna you know use their tools against them so she's gonna join you know the school she's gonna do her best she's gonna get sent to you know the empire she's gonna earn her stripes and she's going to make a difference from inside of the terrible system And so they send her once she's like, you know, come up in the ranks a bit to be the treasurer for this like distant other land that is an actively rebellious territory. Um, And her mission is basically to quash the rebellion of these people. And so you see her struggling with like, who, where does her loyalty lie? Like if she's going to save her people, 
does that mean that she can't save these people? And what is she willing to do to carry out her goals? And it's really intense, y'all. Like every five minutes, I was like, what is going to happen next? Like what is going to happen? Oh my gosh. Um, It's really, it is, it's really intense. And this is the first book, like I said, in a series. Um, The second book is out and it's called The Monster, Baruch Cormorant. Oh, no, it comes out this year. So, and the first book came out in 2015. Okay, yeah, 2015. So not seven years ago, three years ago, my bad. But, um... But people have been waiting for the the edition for a while, and now is the time to get on this if you uh, want to. If you it, well, knowing that the second one is coming, it looks like in October. Um, but yeah, it's a really intense book. The world building is really great. Um, the characters are so compelling. I just felt so drawn in by every character like you know there are side characters on all different sides of these issues and they're all really well fleshed out um and and weirdly for a book that like spends a lot of time talking about economics like she literally is an accountant like that is her fantasy world (laughs) job she's an accountant um but seeing the way that the economy can influence things like you know so society and culture and finances for rebellions like what does that look like like this book is like well here's what that looks like um and there's also sword battles and duels and you know people falling in love and all of that stuff so there's a lot going on here uh so yeah so that is the trader baru cormorant it's kind of like the biggest possible version of like a long-term vengeance is a dish served cold kind of situation. Um, And that is by Seth Dickinson. That sounds really fun. And I never thought I'd say that about a book where the character was an accountant. (laughs) You're just like, wow. (laughs) Like she's good with numbers. Like that's her thing. It's so funny. It's so it's, I mean, it's not funny. That is not a funny book, (laughs) but it's it's funny how you can get drawn in if the writer frames it correctly, I guess is the, is what it is. That's awesome. I also had a really hard time finding a pick for science fiction. And this one just occurred to me and, well, not just occurred to me a little while ago. And it is one of those, like, it's not, like, direct right away vengeance style storytelling. But my science fiction pick is Midnight Robber by Nalo Hopkinson. Love that book. Yes. Love it. I know. It's so good. Um, And I think everybody already probably knows that we're all super fans of Mm -hmm. Hopkinson. We've talked about her short story collection, Falling in Love with Hominids. I love her other novel, um, Sister Mine. But this is my favorite of hers for world building because it's really expansive. And of course, it comes with some Lady of Vengeance. Um, It's really fantastic Afrofuturist story that incorporates African and Caribbean folklore, like the Anansi tales. So you get the main story and you also get stories within the story told as sort of folktale asides. And the stories within the stories are really as satisfying as the as the main tale. And there's just a lot of beauty and magic in this book. But there are also some really brutal bits. So trigger warning for child abuse and sexual assault. Um, I'm not going to talk about it here. I don't want to spoil anything. But just know that it's a big part of the story and it is explicit. So 
Um, there's that. But the story follows Tanten, who we meet as a very young girl. She's the only child of the mayor and his wife, and they all live on Toussaint, which is this Caribbean colonized planet. Um, so this is a futuristic world that's monitored by Granny Nanny and AI and basically the central database for all of Toussaint's personal AI called Eshu. And Eshu and Granny Nanny monitor everything down to analyzing your relationships. And for instance, Eshu will see something happen and, you know, Granny Nanny will identify the interaction as typical jealousy behavior, which was, I think that was actually a direct quote from a book, <laughs> <laughs> which I just, you know, I snickered. Um, and when Tantan is upset, Eshu will play a cartoon for her, that sort of thing. And Granny Nanny also makes sure everyone follows the law, which is pretty rigid, but it keeps everyone in check. And right at the start, it's made clear that other dimensions exist and that there's this mirror dimension called New Halfway Tree. And New Halfway Tree is this known and accessible place where the criminals of Toussaint are sent. Um, it's discussed as this lawless place full of the worst kind of people. Uh, by the people of Toussaint, but the story starts in Toussaint right around Carnival. And Tantan's favorite figure from Carnival is the Midnight Robber, who's this wild, cunning, and untouchable legendary figure. And she wants to be the Midnight Robber. She has the whole get-up and everything, but there's a disruption in her life right when the most exciting event of the year is about to happen, and then one bad turn of events spirals into another and basically what happens is that her world and her father's is completely capsized during Carnival. And she and her father are exiled to New Halfway Tree. And Tantan goes from leading this really comfortable, protected, and privileged life. Like, things aren't perfect in her life. But, you know, she's the mayor's daughter. And this is a world where manual labor is a novelty. And they go from there to living among criminals and vagabonds where they have to do hard labor like every day of their life. That's just a thing that has to happen. And New Halfway Tree and the journey there ends up changing her and her father. And in this new place, their new home, as a victim of these terrible traumas and faced with having to sort of acclimate to entirely new customs and species as well, Tantan's adoration of the Midnight Robber becomes a figure of salvation and... The robber queen is born from her suffering. And this is a coming-of-age story, so Tantan's transformation is really gradual. It's not like she comes out of her suffering swinging and ready for vengeance. And I found Hopkinson's treatment of Tantan as she copes with everything she's been handed really powerful and complex. And I'm glad it sort of had a slow burn because I felt like it was kind of necessary with the story. And... Also, I had to say, this is a book I strongly recommend listening to as an audiobook. And it's not often I feel this strongly about physical versus audiobook, but the novel is framed as if you're being read a tale by a storyteller, and it is like being read an Anansi tale. And the narrator for this book, Robin Miles, is so good. I. Honestly, can't imagine anyone else reading this book now that I have heard her read it. And another reason is that the story is told in a hybrid Creole. Mm -hmm. And one thing I really loved about Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, which is not science fiction or fantasy, obviously, but 
I loved a, her book because she had she incorporated a lot of local dialect and regional dialect in a really smart way. Um, and this book satisfied that craving that I've been sort of missing ever since I finished Their Eyes Were Watching God a Million Years Ago. But if you think that you might be slowed down by trying to figure out what certain words mean in the hybrid Creole, I think that you'll pick it up faster by listening to the audiobook. And I don't know, I just felt like the story was really one that's made to be read aloud in my professional scientific opinion. <laughs> but, <laughs> so if you want some slow-burning vengeance and if you want to be completely transported I would absolutely recommend The Midnight Robber. And again, that's by Nalo Hopkinson. Nice. Yeah. Oh, good pick. Good pick. Thank you. Um, yeah. No, I, I, and you know, I don't really audiobook, but now I, I you're so right about the even if you hear a snippet yeah Yeah, like I could that's the kind of thing I might put on in the background because I don't need to pay attention I know the story but it would be cool to like hear it um well thank you all so much for listening to us ramble on about Lady Vengeance (laughs) today uh if you have suggestions for us to read theme ideas comments about Jacqueline Carey whatever um please email us it's sffyeah at bookriot.com if you also have a chance review us on Apple Podcasts we so appreciate it it helps other folks to find the show. So leave us a rating or a review. You can find me on Tumblr. It's jenirl.tumblr.com. And you can find me on Instagram at sZynabWilliams. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.